Hello, everyone. Welcome to Small Screen Star Wars. This is a Tower Babel podcast. I'm Julian Mish. I'm joined by Daniel D'Souza Yo. and Jeremy Cozier. Hello. And who are we? What do we do? Okay, so what is Tower Babel? If you're not familiar, um, we've been recording podcasts for uh, six years almost. Jesus. Uh, recapping shows you might be familiar with, Game of Thrones. Uh, we're in the middle of doing Watchmen right now. We've also done a season of Westworld. Um, but, you know, outside of those specific show podcasts, we've also been recording more broad stuff, talking film, television, for, again, about six years. Um, and we're going to be bringing all that stuff, that that years of experience, to <laughs> to uh, the Star Wars universe, you know, that's a uh, long time ago, far, far away. You guys are all familiar. And on the small screen, um, you know, when coming up with the name for the show, we were trying to think of something that... Um, we could use to recap the Mandalorian, which is going to be launching as of today's recording tomorrow. So we didn't want to, be, we didn't want to be locked in, you know, to just the Mandalorian because we we already know that there's an Obi Wan show coming, and we know that there's that Cassian Andor show that everyone's excited yeah, about. Yeah, waiting with bated breath. For that one. <laughs> and so we didn't want to be locked in. So we're, we're banding around some ideas, but we we landed on small screen Star Wars because it turns out there's actually a lot of ha- stuff uh, in the Star Wars world that's going to be happening on the small screen. And or has already happened, talking about shows like The Clone Wars, for instance, or Rebels, or if you want to go way, way back, Droids and Ewoks back in the 80s. Right. Um, or even the original Star Wars television uh, performance, which was the uh, holiday special. It's very unlikely that we're going to do those shows. Well, I mean, but there might but, be, there might be, that we don't know. You're saying we've, we've opened the door. Yeah, yeah. It's a possibility. Um, yeah, so... The first few episodes or the first batch of episodes are going to be recapping The Mandalorian, just so everyone's familiar. Uh, The Mandalorian is the flagship show that's going to be uh, launching with Disney Plus, uh, Disney's streaming service. It follows uh, the character of The Mandalorian. We don't know their name. A Mandalorian. We don't know their name, um, but we certainly know that he looks cool. That's really what's most important. Um, Written and directed, um, directed by a lot of people, but written primarily by Jon Favreau. Um and and uh, Dave Filoni, Dave Filoni um, of Clone Wars fame and Rebels fame, um, really making his first step into live action. So we're really excited about that kind of stuff, and that's really what we're going to be diving into most to start with. But there, there's more to come following that. Like we said, Obi Wan is definitely coming after that. Star Wars itself as a franchise, following the um, the last movie here, Episode Nine. There, we really don't know what's coming after that. You know, we it's, have it's pretty open. We have directors now. getting fired <laughs> left and right, um, and we're there's there's really nothing on the books in terms of when that next trilogy will come or what it'll be about. Um, but we know that just like when Star Wars left the theaters for last time um, after uh, Episode Three, right? the only thing that kept it alive over that time was Clone Wars. That was kind of the Star Wars property that was being released on a regular basis over that time. So it's kind of, we're moving into that era again. We don't know when the next Star Wars movie is going to be or what it's going to be about, but we knew no, we do know there's going to be one. So we're, we're confident in that at least. Um, and we know there's going to be Star Wars content on the small screen and we're here to cover it. So that's what we're going to be doing. Um, so just to kind of give you guys like a, a little bit of a taste of things, here's what this little promo episode is going to be. I'm just going to quickly, we're going to do quickly, very fast, just kind of talk about what we're <laughs> both, excited both about. quick and fast. Yeah, what we're, ta- what we're excited about for The Mandalorian um, or Star Wars on television in general. Um, maybe just 
name your favorite Star Wars movie. That's like that might be a fun uh, little thing to do too. Just name which of the nine or eight that's out so far. The uh, Phantom Menace. There's more than eight, I guess. <laughs> uh, interesting so take. A- we'll get there. We'll get there. Um, and then, and then there will uh, drop a interview we had. This is from ooh, a year and a half ago. Maybe longer. Like that, yeah, uh, with ago. Pablo Hidalgo, he's an executive on the Star Wars Story Group. Um, he is a Star Wars encyclopedia. We had the chance to interview him at FanQuest. FanQuest. Uh, uh, not this summer, but the summer before. And so we're going to drop that for you guys as well, just as a little bit of a, a, of a taste. Um, and then again, we know that The Mandalorian drops tomorrow. Uh, so we're going to record that, um, that session of recap, which is two episodes. Uh, back to back we're going to watch those recap them that'll be out sometime this week and uh, we don't know the release schedule for the mandalorian we don't know if it's coming out tuesdays or not so uh, when we do know that follow us on twitter at tower babblecast to keep up with when um, what that release schedule is going to look like in terms of the show as well as what our recording schedule and um, podcast release schedule is going to look like so uh, that's again at Tower Babblecast on Twitter or Facebook.com slash Tower Babblecast. You can find all the work we do at TowerBabblePodcast.com or TowerBabble.ca. So, um, Dan, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? You know, I mean, it's Jeremy was joking when he said Phantom Menace. Um, I think both... Was I? I, I, I think you I and I are both sort of Phantom Menace <laughs> apologists. I wouldn't whoa, say it's whoa, my whoa. favorite Would you movie. say I'm an... You think I'm an apologist? No, no, I'm saying I am. Oh, okay. Like, I don't think Phantom Menace is as bad as people make it out to be. Would you th- it's 20 years old now. Too, do you think right? it's better than episode two? Better than episode two for sure. Interesting. Um, that is my favorite. But no, favorite. no. I, I honestly, <laughs> I, I would have to say episode four is my favorite. Like this, okay. The A one that hope. started it all. Right. Like, that specifically thinking of the, you know, the binary sun setting mm. thing. Like the, that kind of stuff will always hit me in a certain way because it started everything. So. Sure. That's fair. 100%. I feel that. like it's a really like easy answer, but that's fair. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, it's, 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 a, it's the classic. It is an yeah. easy answer, but that doesn't make yeah, it untrue. The most like, common answer, though, is Empire. I would say that's probably true. Yeah, I think Empire is probably... And it might be my favorite, too. I mean, but it's tough. It's like, it's like, it's easy to pick like your favorite of each trilogy. You're like, well, what's your favorite uh, prequel movie? You know, like, you know, Jeremy's yours would easily be Phantom Menace. Uh, yeah, right? 100%. Um, but if you're to say of all the movies, you know, I have a soft spot for movies like Rogue One. Obviously, that's not my favorite. Um, I have a soft spot for The Last Jedi. That movie really did something cool and interesting yeah, and new. What an experience, right? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, like, uh, sticking with the easy answers, Empire is probably my favorite. Like, it's just so much awesome stuff that happens in that movie. It's so fun. I'll pick the uh, Return of the Jedi for the original trilogy. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay, we got all three. Mm. Okay. What makes what makes Return of the Jedi special to you? I just really liked how Luke was like a badass. Yeah, just like he fully formed Jedi with mm-hmm. the all black green mm-hmm. lightsaber. Uh, yeah, a lot of cool stuff happens. Like I, I'll give you that. Like the I think it's underrated as a movie. I like as a part of that trilogy. I think most people would consider it the worst of that trilogy. But I don't think that necessarily means it's but, bad. Yeah, no, doesn't mean it's bad. No, I think that people get hung up on the Ewok thing. Yeah. Um, I don't hate the Ewoks. I mean, they certainly, t- I think they take up more time than they do in the movie, but that's fine. Um, I don't know. There's lots of, it's there's lots kids, of love. Right? Yeah, so. exactly. <laughs> Star Wars is for kids. It has been since day one. Um, I think that's important to, to, you know, to state and remind people. Um, okay. Dan, why are you excited about the Mandalorian? 
I mean, number one off the top of my head is Pedro Pascal in the in the main role. Mm. He's a phenomenal actor. Game of Thrones. I'm hoping we'll see more of his face and he'll have opportunity to actually emote. We got to hear him speak a couple times yeah. in the trailers. Only a couple times though. <laughs> and you know, and you can emote through verbal, just verbal alone. But That's it cool. would be great to see him without his mask on. Darth you know, the, Vader is a great example of that, yeah, by the yeah. way. It, although a combination of two performances. Um, yeah, and James Earl yeah. Jones' voice is just iconic. Yeah, it's legendary. You don't think Pedro Pascal's voice is legendary? <laughs> no, maybe not yet, but maybe it will maybe be one day. This. Yeah, he's gonna take his helmet off, guys. It's not like maybe the last scene of the movie. It's really hard it's to say. We, like we don't really know what <laughs> no. the uh, what the stakes are. We don't really know what any of the character like relationships are. So we know the vagaries of it's about bounty hunting in the bounty era. Hunting is a dangerous profession. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Amazing. We're not garbage collectors. <laughs> We're filmmakers. Um, <laughs> I love that he's in this in that show. By the way, it's great. Um, the we know again just the basics. When it's set, it's set uh, after episode uh, between episodes six and seven um, during the rise of the new order. That's kind of the vague right. timeline we have. The first order, I believe. What did I say? New order. Oh. It, it is a new order. But. <laughs> I meant the first. You know what I mean? It's fine. Um, yeah, I mean, okay. That's basically... What am I excited for? Oh, thanks. Thanks for asking. Um, <laughs> what, I'm excited about the the world that they're going to be able to build here. I mean, it exists in a world that we know, right? But we've never had a chance to really explore, like, the underbellies in a, in a, in a in-depth way. We've only ever got kind of, like, glimpses at it over the different... Like in episode two. Like in episode two. <laughs> yeah. When we have Detective Obi-Wan <laughs> going around... Trying to figure out the mystery of who I'm not, I don't remember the name. <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, it, the bounty hunter. No, it's not the bounty. It's the uh, Jedi. It's that um, who who well, ordered Cipher Diaz. Cipher Diaz. Cipher Diaz. Yeah, yeah. Um, coolest name of a character that we never actually get to see. I, I would argue. Um, but yeah, there's so much. Like, we're going to be able to explore. For instance, Taika Waititi, who you may know from movies such as Thor Ragnarok or Green Lantern. Or Green Lantern, um, <laughs> you you won't you won't know that yet. But. <laughs> well, no, what do you mean he's in Green. He's Lantern. in the last Green Lantern. I know, but what does he play in Green Lantern? Hal Jordan's buddy. Oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. No one really thinks about that movie. So. <laughs> yeah, there's hilarious. Um, uh, Ryan Reynolds and Taika are, are on a new project, right? And they do this little interview where they're like saying how they're super excited to work with each other mm. for the very first time ever. <laughs> <laughs> they they yeah. keep going yeah, back they and forth. Definitely on that. never worked together before. This and is then the like, first. And the two other people are like, no, you were in Green Lantern. And then they're like, no, no you Green, Green Hornet? <laughs> and they, they do a close up on the other two people. And like, no, Green Lantern. And they, they, they zoom over to they the pan. Other two chairs and yeah. they're just gone. <laughs> they that's, away. that's super funny. I love that. Taika's going to be voicing an IG um, droid. Uh, IG-88 is from uh, Empire. Well, from. It's for the first time we see him, but it's like, again, just a glimpse. We know that he is a, or it is a bounty hunting droid. That's all we know. By the way. <laughs> Don't ask questions. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's really important. Is this, is this droid autonomous? Like, are they out to get, like, credits for themselves? or how's that it, it, work? It kind of seems like, like Star Wars has always blurred those lines. Like the droids are almost a species and they, they do act with autonomy a lot, like more, more often than not, I think. 
Yeah, but they also they often they also like, listen to their master they, exactly and have always, a role. They're always owned. Yeah, or have a role of some kind, right? Like you know, uh, R two we know is an astromech droid designed to like help fix you know uh, starfighters and stuff. But like, and C three PO is a Daniel. Daniel. Humanetic. <laughs> <laughs> it's human it cyborg relations or something like yeah, that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, and I thought there's a name for it. But anyway, like basically, they all have a job. This the IG droid's job is to to do bounty hunting, but who for for what why? <laughs> People gotta get God. There is a there is an IG. I don't know if it's IG eighty eight specifically, but in the Clone Wars, there's a couple episodes where there's a bunch of bounty hunters that are, that are involved. Um, I believe Bill Burr is playing a bounty hunter in this show. Even cooler. Yeah. I mean, Tech is voicing the, the robot but, and directing an episode. And the last episode. The last episode. That's yeah. even that's very cool. Excited for Carl Weathers, too. Yeah. He, by the way, he came, out, he came out on stage at uh, D23 or Star Wars Celebration. Uh, Star, Wars, Star Wars Celebration. And uh, he... Um, the first thing he did when everyone cheers, I want you, I want you. I want, it's great. It's, it's like his only call to fame, but like, it's fine. He's done other stuff, but like, he's obviously most known for Rocky, which is fair. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, he's, I've seen him in a couple other things. He's actually like a pretty good actor. Um, so I think that'll be really, that'll be fun. Uh, I think the cast and the crew, obviously the show is like top notch. We know. Um, they all, and they all grew up with Star Wars. So they're yeah. going to be creating it now. It's really cool. The, it we're in a we're in a whole era, an age yeah. of almost like fan film. You yeah, know, same with Ryan Johnson, right? Yeah, grew up with it. And yeah, made his own. It's amazing. So, and, and to, to the point where they're like, oh, you know what? In one of the episodes, we didn't have enough stormtroopers. We needed more stormtroopers, so they called up um, the I think it's the five hundred first Legion or something like that. It's like this like fan group of people who have like very official Star Wars um, like stormtrooper costumes. They called them and said, "Hey, we need some. You, we need some for people this show? for this show. Oh, cool. We need some people to fill in as as like extras, as stormtroopers on set." And they came down and they're like, "They're like, we've never had better stormtroopers. Like, they're just like <laughs> they knew exactly what to do and, and they, how to you, act." They let them use their own costumes. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Isn't that crazy? I guess if you're in that uh, community, community, then they have to be pretty legit. They, I think the whole rule is of that community specifically is that like you have to get your your stuff approved. Like, yeah. it's not by the right film. Yeah, you have to have make sure like it, it's of this quality it looks like this if you're if you're like a classic stormtrooper or like but a, then i guess they all have yeah. to represent the same era as well yeah so they, they show up right so they i think for the oh wait hmm. yeah so I, my understanding is that it's set shortly after the fall of the empire so there's still old school stormtroopers and the first order stormtroopers aren't around yet is my understanding they don't have the new like the new look right what did you guys think of the first time just a quick question what did you guys think of the first time you saw those new stormtrooper like helmets yeah, no, I thought it was cool. I thought they're they're nice and sleek. It it seems like a natural evolution from mm -hmm. the stormtrooper helmets. Like the first time, the first like time you like first time episode the, seven. No, when you saw episode seven, the like and the they revealed the new stormtroopers. Oh, I thought it was dumb. You didn't like the new look of no, them. I thought it was dumb. I don't. I did. I liked them at first, and I feel like I like them less now as like a look. You know, they've done some cool tweaks. Like they have the Sith troopers coming in episode nine. I think they look better than the original stormtroopers. Really? Yeah. Like Daniel said, they are more sleek. Mm hmm. With that fin on top of the head, right? The fin on top of the head is episode. That's, that's clone. That's trooper. clone trooper that's season. Troopers? That's that's oh. a, that's Gen One. <laughs> yeah, yeah, clone trooper armor with the, like the little T uh, shape. Yeah, it's just, it just more slight than yeah. I think. Um, here's a question. This is kind of dumb. What's your favorite armor in Star Wars? 
you're the only one that's going to be able to answer that question. <laughs> well, like, like just you can describe it to me, and I'll, I'll tell you which one it is. I, I the the Death Troopers are cool. Yeah, that is a good question. Right. See, there you have there you, you have an answer. I had one. I guess I had one. <laughs> yeah. But again, and you knew they were called, so screw you. <laughs> um, the Sith Troopers, the new ones from Episode Nine, they look pretty dope. Though. You don't like that? <laughs> I think it's silly that they're just all red now all of a sudden. But whatever. well, it's a special. It's a special yeah. group. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a uh, Gen Three. Oh, Gen three, yeah. yeah okay. Gen, Gen, actually, I don't know. It might be Gen two, Gen two or Gen three. Um, clone trooper armor. I think the clones are the cool, have the coolest like gear of all the Star Wars stuff. I don't know those movies because they're they're so heavily reliant on CG. They kind of they, they don't hold up for me. Yeah, the the the, this, the clone troopers in Battlefront two look better than the clones do in those movies. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, but I think I would love to see. We talked about this, Jeremy, before in the past, like a reimagining or like I think you specifically said just a, like a remake of the original movies mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily on board for that but I'm like would be happy to see like the CG redone to like make it yeah. match a little bit better I think it's gonna happen at some point and I think something broke in the news recently that an old actor who's dead is going to be starting a new movie they're using his face from photos and videos that's crazy yeah, is it, like, this is I, not I star wars related this is something no, no, else no, yeah. something else but like a bunch of famous actors are going on twitter being like this is it's disrespectful crazy. and crazy well it's like it's weird because like wouldn't eventually you get to a, and this is totally tangent but wouldn't you get to a point where like people are just like well i just like these actors now and then like no new actors can ever yeah, do anything yeah, yeah. you know like there's like you just can't break in because you just you just have de niro playing de niro yeah. roles for the yeah. rest of it i think like, for new movies it doesn't it shouldn't happen but if you want to recreate some old classics and tweak them a bit like star wars at some point in the right. future I think it'd be really cool. Like Alec Guinness is is yeah. dead, so you'd need to like reimagine, you know, old Obi Wan. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be done. I mean, I think of the original. I think of the prequels more specific because they were more reliant on CG and to just like updating that CG so it f- looks better. Yeah. You know, and then even for for Rogue One, like that one character, right? some people didn't Tarkin. even know that, Tarkin. Some people didn't even know that. Yeah, I mean, wasn't- I think people who I think the only people who didn't like it were the people who knew. Right. You know, and like if you didn't know, you may be like, mm, that looks kind of weird. Maybe like that looks a little weird, but you wouldn't yeah. know why. And then I knew and I just thought it was cool. I, I thought it was, I thought it was very cool. I don't know. People hated it. Like people hated it. I think Leia looks bad. She looks kind of funky. A little bit, yeah. Yeah. But like I just watched Terminator and uh, Dark Fate. The, no spoilers, please. There's a young Arnold that they do a CG young Arnold. And this is like, it's cool because we've actually seen versions of their young Arnold in yeah, the past. They did it in Genesis. They did it in Genesis. They did it in, the, fine, they yeah. did it in, um, Terminator salvation. salvation yeah, even. Just a little bit. Yeah. And like this, this one looks like legit. Like, Oh yeah. You it can't like tell like man. Cut out the footage from the original. Yeah. Movie it's and, like, insane. Like it's so fucking cool. So yeah, I, I think we're, we're close to that. And, and star Wars of the all the fake. properties kind of, um, kind of lends itself to that, especially with characters like clones where literally everyone is the same or like you have that one guy. Um, I don't know what the actor's name is who played the clones and Django Fett. He's Aquaman's dad. He's also in Green Lantern. Is he actually? He's Admin Sir. Oh, okay. Um, but he's um, like, if you're going to ever need to do clones again, you need to recreate his face and like they did that a lot obviously already, but like you'd have to do that to like an degree. When it, oh, like, yes, they have the yeah the helmet. Like the yeah. prequel trilogy, they were all CG and all those battle scenes and stuff. Yeah, I know. You could you could easily also in real like realistically reshoot some of that stuff with actual practical people yeah. in the armor, you know. Um, but yeah, okay, because like there is some shots of the prequel trilogy that are entirely CG, like when Yoda is talking to clones, mm-hmm. that is just CG. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, all right. Um, on that note, I think we can uh, wrap it up. Like I said, we'll be covering The Mandalorian every week. Um, and then Obi-Wan is, as well. Um, and then Dan's less certain <laughs> about the Cassian Andor untitled project. No, he's most excited for that one. Uh, no, so he's just, he was just joking about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's being yeah. facetious. That's the most anticipated thing ever. <clears throat> yeah, he's never been more excited about any Star Wars property than he's, the Cassian Andor. He's already planning his Cassian Andor Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> you could make a good Cassian Andor. You could, you could pull it off. Why would they make a show about that fucking guy? <laughs> Man, it's, it's, okay, I, I keep having to repitch this to you, but it's a, sh- it's a show about Espionage. a spy. It's a spy show set in the Star Wars universe. That's cool. That is cool. Mm-hmm. I think it, uh, that concept is cool. You, you just don't like that character. Character, you just don't too. like that character. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Neither here nor there. Yeah, but we get more of... Um, the the robot, what's his name? You know what I'm talking about. IG87. No, <laughs> no, <laughs> never mind. Um, okay. Um, next up is an interview we had with Pablo Hidalgo. Like I said, we'll be covering uh, Mandalorian. We don't when we know the release schedule, you'll know about it on Twitter at TowerBabbleCast, Facebook.com/slash/TowerBabbleCast as well. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later this week. Hey everyone, welcome to another Tower Bible podcast. As always, I'm Julian Muche. I'm joined by Daniel D'Souza. Yo. And we are honored to have with us Pablo Hidalgo, executive on the Lucasfilm Story Group. That's right? That's right. Thank you for having me. Awesome. It's, honestly, it is an honor to have you. Uh, I became a huge fan of you watching uh, Rebels Recon. Oh, yeah. Which is why I ended up giving you that cup, and <laughs> I feel a little silly. No, no, no. It's all good. I appreciate it. Yeah, okay. I know what you're going to say because I, I revealed yeah. I revealed in an exclusive panel That's here right. at yeah. FanQuest uh, that the coffee drinking is really just a bit that we did for Rebels Recon. But that doesn't mean <laughs> I don't fine. drink coffee. That's so. fair. And also other things can go in there other than coffee. Absolutely. Right. Pencils, liquor, you name it. Yeah. I was thinking the second one myself. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I know you've been talking Star Wars this whole weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're going to keep talking Star Wars no, for a bit more. Fine. That's what I'm here for. Um, so... Dan, why don't you start off? Uh, you had a question about the older public. I yeah, think. it's basically a follow-up to one of the questions that happened in, sure. the, in the room there. Um, I find that I'm, I tend to be more interested in sort of the more fantasy, like mythological aspects yeah, of yeah. the lore, you know, so the older public comes to mind. So my question is basically, um, is there any particular storyline, I'm thinking like Exar Kun, Naga Sado, mm-hmm. that kind of stuff, that you think would translate well, obviously without revealing anything sure, about sure. potential projects, that you think would translate well to either a show or a movie? Personally, I think any of those are, are potentials because I thought I, I, I really enjoy that era as well. I mm-hmm. love the old Tales of the Jedi comics and the Knights of the Old Republic game that came afterwards. So do I think there's a, a rich realm of exploration? Absolutely. I think part of the challenge is uh, finding a filmmaker or a storyteller that also embodies that passion. And also, I think there's an opportunity to uh, explore visually what those look like in a way that I don't think the comics necessarily delivered or the, the video games necessarily delivered. I think uh, the folks who are making uh, uh, the Old Republic games have to meet a certain uh, Star Wars criteria in order to uh, meet people's expectations of what Star Wars looks like. I think the film, if, if a, say, a film execution of this is done or a television or, or another uh, version of this is done, I think there's an opportunity to be more aggressive with the design and right. come up with something that... On first, glance, on first glance, looks like medieval Star Wars. You right. Because awesome. yeah. Yeah. that was kind of a, my follow-up to that question was going to be, because, you know, according to the older public stuff, which isn't not necessarily canon anymore, sure. some of it is, yeah, yeah. Uh, 
But that's like how many years in the past of what we know now? It's upwards of 5,000 years, maybe more. I mean, we know that when Obi-Wan says a thousand generations, he means a long, long time. Uh, the thing is, we have not seen that visually expressed by the Lucasfilm art department. Right, because we've it looks seen the it, same. Yeah, we've right. seen it expressed by amazing artists at, at, at video game companies and comic books. But I don't, I, I'd love to see the Lucasfilm art department uh, take a stab at something like that, should it ever come to pass. Because what we have now with the, that old stuff is basically everything's more square. And that's yeah. basically, that's the difference. All, there's still droids, there's still spaceships, and those things need to exist. But, you know, just, the, apparently the, the trajectory is everything stays the same, it just gets rounder over time. Right, and, and a lot of that, <laughs> it, has to, it has to fit within the framework of whatever game engine is driving it. And it also has to fit in the framework of being a merchandisable Star that's Wars true. product. That's true. Uh, but I think, you know, if, if you holistically build uh, or holistically commit to a decision to tell a Star Wars story set in a different era, I think you start from square one and have an art department define what that is. Does that make it hard, harder to sell that it's, it's more, it would be that much drastically different than what everyone already thinks when they think Star Wars, right? They have a certain, like you said, they have a certain thought sure. in their mind. Does doing that, having a, starting a, almost a blank slate so mm. far disconnected from everything else, does that make it harder to in sell my mind, fans? In my mind, I hope not, because I hope that everything else that's in that story is delivering on the promise of Star Wars, and you can accept that maybe things look a bit different. Um, one of the things I always admired George Lucas for is that he was never enamored with anything that he did. He was willing to, uh, he was willing to redefine things. So, you know, there was a lot of, I don't want to say criticism, but reaction to the prequels looking so different from the classics. But that's because he didn't, he, he, he wasn't in love with the classics the same way we were. Uh, and so I don't think, uh, I think there's still room to push the design. Yeah, cool. Dan, do you have a, another follow-up there? Um, well, I had a completely separate, like, different question, actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, go ahead. which isn't even technically just a Star Wars question. Sure. Um, it's more like... Fantasy and sci-fi in general tend to act as an analog to a lot of real-world issues. Yes, absolutely. Like, I, so my question is, like, you know, like, the obvious comparison is, you know, the empire and fascism, that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, why do you think sci-fi and fantasy in particular are so effective at these analogous stories? I think because you're able to get to the core of, of certain things. You're able to describe things in a shorthand without bringing any real-world baggage yeah. to it. You can cut um, through the red tape. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, you, you, if you import... A real-world element, you, you bring a lot, of, a lot of baggage and point of view. And if you're able to say, instead, this is representative of that thing right. uh, without having to be that thing, that lesson might land stronger because uh, a person who is visually cued to get defensive about something mm -hmm. might drop their, those defenses. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the message gets through because you didn't wrap it in a contemporary package. Mm -hmm. That's smart. So. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you is you brought up Lucas um, mm -hmm. and you've always had a chance to work with him a, a little bit. Especially uh, on episode three, I'd say right. that's the one where I worked. Well, I, I want to say, I mean, I obviously worked for him. Yeah. I was more watching him. Yeah. Work, you know? <laughs> um, but it seems like there's a, a, a commitment to honoring his vision mm -hmm. um, to some degree. I Absolutely. think at Lucasfilm still. Yeah. It, it seems like even like Dave Filoni seems like he's kind of carrying the torch for that in a lot of mm -hmm. ways. Um, how how do you go about maintaining that balance between staying true to what George wanted to do and what, you know, moving forward at the same time? Sure. I mean, a lot of it is we, we look at the stuff that inspired him and we ask why why is that inspiring to him? And we look at the central message and, and, and what he had intended to do. And we never forget that notion that he was looking to give a series of life lessons to people of a young age 
but not in a sense that they were being lectured. If you wrap that up in an adventure, perhaps they will absorb these messages while they're also having fun. Uh, and I think those are some of the markers that like, we, tr we try to live uh, uh, true to the, the sort of goalposts that we keep in mind. Is like, is this Star Wars? Uh, is this something that, um, that embodies its values? The other thing, too, is beyond like, the sort of mythic and thematic storytelling is that idea of the things that, you know, pushing technology forward and um, trying things that have never been done before in, in the film space. And, and it's not that every movie is the opportunity to do that, but when the opportunity comes up, don't shy away from it. Or even in animation. Uh, the, exactly. In Rebels, you guys did that combination of the 2D animation yeah, and 3D animation. that was a lot of fun. That was really, really yeah. cool. Um, and speaking of animation, you said, you know, speaking to younger generations, right? Mm -hmm. And it, it seems like those animated series are aimed at a, at a younger generation. Yeah. How do you strike a balance between maintaining uh, the interest of obviously an older fan base because you mm -hmm. know Star Wars fans generations now, right? Yeah. While also, um, you know, not going too dark, as it were. You yeah, know? I, I think there were lessons that were learned in Clone Wars uh, because Clone Wars <laughs> certainly went too yeah. dark and ended up scaring away a lot of the kids that were supposed to come see it. Yeah. So it's sort of like asking ourselves: Is this still something? Uh, that, a, that a kid would enjoy and then a parent would feel like they could trust their kid to enjoy. Obviously, the, the best situation is where kids are watching with their parents. Mm -hmm. That's what we'd like because they're able to have that conversation and that dialogue, which is uh, a very powerful thing with Star Wars. Uh, we meet a lot of kids that are able to actually enjoy something with their parents in a way that they don't otherwise, you know? Um, so we could, we could push certain things in terms of its drama and intensity, um, but not so much that um, we think a, a parent it's a parent would feel um, it wasn't appropriate. Right. So is that, is that kind of this kind of relates to some other question I was going to ask about the um, the short form versus long form storytelling. At the mm -hmm. end of Clone Wars, there was arcs that were three, four, yeah. five episodes long. Right. And Rebels started. I don't think there was a single two episode arc until the sure. second season. Um, is that, was that a conscious decision to try to make it more accessible? It was, yeah. It, it, we realized that we were, we were doing so much that was new, it was easier to present that new stuff in, in a more uh, digestible format. It wasn't until you got to know these characters that we were able to, to bring in longer storylines. And season four, the second half of season four, is really much all one long storyline. Uh, we wouldn't feel the confidence confidence honestly to do that mm -hmm. because we ourselves didn't really know the characters until we started telling more and more stories with them uh and and the actors themselves embodied them mm -hmm. so that only comes out of doing multiple seasons and feeling comfortable with them uh clone wars had the advantage of having established characters uh and and a lot of those established characters carried the arcs to begin with because you knew who obi-wan anakin and padme were and it wasn't until later that Rex could carry an arc or, you know, the Ahsoka That's herself true. could. The Rex, my favorite arcs are usually the Rex-led ones. The clone ones, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, the clones are just so fun for me. They're um, pretty amazing. I, when I, you know, Battlefront 2, I don't know if you were involved in doing any uh, work with, you know, consulting on that or anything. A little bit. There, there are some folks in the story group who are much more focused on uh, the game development. So I, I kind of come on, I come on really, really early. Uh, but in terms of the day-to-day -day management of it, there's some other folks yeah. who do it. I just thought it was fun to be able to get the clones back in there. Yeah, That's really I where I was so. going with that. <laughs> no, I love it because like there's there was a whole generation that grew up with the prequels and Clone Wars, and I'm glad that they're able to still engage with it in whatever way they can, particularly through Battlefront. Um, yeah, I think we're like pretty, pretty much ready to, to wrap it up. Yep, I cool. had one final question. Sure. Um, again, a bit more abstract. I have this sort of memory 
when I was younger of visiting family in Alberta. Um, basically, we had all the cousins together having a campout on a trampoline. Uh-huh. My uncle bought a projector and we watched uh, New Hope under the stars sort of thing. Like, it's just like a fun memory. Sure. So I wanted to see if you had any sort of fond childhood memories with Star Wars. Oh, absolutely. The, the, I, here in Winnipeg, we got um, pay TV, cable television early on, probably in the early 80s, 82 mm-hmm. or 83. And it, I remember this was back in the day where cable television, it was really easy to get for free. Like even <laughs> if you weren't trying to steal it, yeah. if you had a certain type of TV and you put it in between two channels, yeah. you would get it. <laughs> and the very first thing that was shown on, I think it was called First Choice. That was the very first. It was, it was Star Wars. And I didn't even know this thing existed. I was just flipping channels and I put it in between channels like two or three or six and seven. And all of a sudden I found Star Wars on my TV. I'm like, what What? is Star Wars doing on my TV? (laughs) And it was pay TV back in the day before they figured out how to get into your house (laughs) reliably and encrypted. And I would watch Star Wars on this little, it was this portable TV that you would take to the beach. For whatever reason, that one TV got... uh, pay TV for free, yeah. and I was watching Star Wars on a three and a half black and white screen. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. That's serendipity. Yeah. Um, well, it was an honor having you. Uh, it's really having cool me. having someone who's from Winnipeg be so involved in Star Wars. It feels detached almost, the whole process of it, um, when you're you know, in the prairies in the middle of Canada. But um, when you can kind of you know, tie it back to someone from home, it's, it adds an extra like Oh, aspect of thank it you. I appreciate it. And, and yeah, I, I make it no secret that growing up in Winnipeg no doubt made me who I am and, mm-hmm. and definitely helped get me where I am right now. So Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much Thanks. for joining us. Cool. Thanks, Honestly. guys. Yeah. Take care.